Welcome to the Shan Plan. This is episode 109. My name is Kyle Posey. As always, I am joined by Akash Hanabarathan. Akash, woo, well, woo. Sunday Night Football, we had somewhat high expectations. I thought the 49ers were going to pull it out. Obviously, they did not. 11 to 10. Uh, the post-game recap title of the article was the 49ers and the Broncos set football back four years. It was painful to watch if you are a fan of offense, if you are a fan of punting the ball. This game could not have been better for you. There was actually some really good defensive play on both sides of the ball, too. Unfortunately, that was overshadowed overshadowed by some giant blunders on offense by the 49ers. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, as always, we have to touch on injuries. So the 49ers, Mondays for the 49ers have not been good. Usually that just means a laundry list of injuries. So this Monday, you found out that linebacker Aziz Ashire has a sprained MCL. I don't know if you saw it. He's, so he's going to miss eight weeks, maybe up to two weeks, hopefully, or sorry, two months. Hopefully that is not the case. But uh, realistically, that's what Kyle Shannon said he expects. So I don't know if you saw it, but on, on the play where he did get injured, it was a play where Aziz was had nowhere – like he wasn't guarding the man he was supposed to, so he was kind of freelancing – got caught with Russell Wilson scrambling, and then that's when he gets caught up in a pile. Um, just bad luck there. And then Trent Williams, who he Also is bad luck. So bad luck. So he was there last year in the playoffs, and as we saw, he tried to play through it. He said that was a bad idea. Has a high sprained ankle, so again, he's going to miss some time. Kyle Shannon didn't want to commit to exactly how much time it would, would be, but uh, realistically, probably in the four to uh, six week range. When Trent Williams went down, that's kind of when the 49ers lost their way on offense. And sure, they were struggling all game, but the pass protection had some massive breakdowns. We're going to get into that today, too. So those are the two biggest injuries. The, the good news is Daniel Brunskill is going to be back. And I know that's not going to make you exactly sit up in your seat if you're a 49er fan based on what you remember of Daniel Brunskill. But Kyle Shannon said they need help inside. And I'm not sure if that is going to be Jake Brindle or Spencer Burford. My, I imagine it would be Spencer Burford just because, you know, they want veteran help along the inside. And Spencer Burford had some hiccups in pass protection as well. But before we get there, we are going to start with the quarterback. So I want you to lead us off because you tweeted some first number games for Jimmy Garoppolo. And apparently this is a thing. So he said after the game that, you know, he has to get into playing shape. And Kyle Shannon said as much, and that was to be expected, not only for him, but for George Kittle, just because they haven't played. So they didn't play in the preseason. And it kind of showed. So reel off some of Jimmy's numbers for us. Absolutely. So – I think uh, a few people had tweeted this too. And, and I was actually thinking, I was like, man, he seems to struggle in season openers. And then you go back and then you realize since 2018, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers haven't been very good in season openers. And so in 2018, they opened the season in Minnesota. Uh, he was 15 of 33 for 261 yards through three picks in that game. His pass rating was 45. I think that was probably his worst game he's played. Uh, in 2019, they played in Tampa Bay. He was 18 of 27 for 166 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, ugly offensive game. They won because they had two pick sixes from Jameis Winston. Otherwise, they would have lost that game as well on the road. 
2020, that was the season opener against Arizona. COVID year at home, Levi Stadium, just an ugly performance. His stat line looks better than the game probably was. He was 19 of 33 for 259 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks, but they were just anemic on offense that day against an Arizona team. And then obviously 2021, they played well in Detroit. He played well. So that's kind of the outlier. Then in 2022, obviously the game on Sunday, 18 of 29, 211 yards, the touchdown, the interception, but obviously had a fumble, had the safety, had a couple balls that should have been picked, just not very good. So maybe there's just a pattern here of Jimmy Garoppolo not, you know, needing game reps to kind of get into speed. He typically bounces back. So basically every game after this, they've won. He's played well, or at least his box score looks good. So I'd expect a bounce back performance, but yeah, it's just unfortunate timing because it was week three of the season. They were one and one Sunday night football against a team that they should have beat with that defensive performance. And they just couldn't get over the hump. And it starts with both the play caller and the quarterback. Yeah. So he started 48 games and I feel like that's kind of lost in translation when we're talking about um, him coming out of the gate. So he's been with this team for a good while now at the same time. And there was a fumble and I do, and Kyle Shannon admitted as much that this, that fumble was on Jake Brindle. So Jake Brindle snapped the ball a little late. Everybody went on one, Shanahan said, and Brindle went on two. I don't put that on Jimmy, but some of the throws that he was making, some of the decisions, some of the yards left on the field, it seemed like that is consistent with, with what he's done, with what he's looked like for most of his tenure as a 49er quarterback. I, I do wonder, and I guess just going off the top of my head, how many of those teams that he played following the week one, those week one games were legitimate playoff contenders? And obviously the Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Um, right. None, in 2019. Yeah. In 2019, in 20, week two was, was that the Bengals? Uh, no, that was, I like that was week three. That was week three. Week two was a home game, I think, but I forget who. So in 2018, it was the Lions, right? That was a week two game. He had a game winning drive i think but maybe it was right. like pick six that was dropped and in 2019 Ooh. i don't remember but i think they won maybe it was cincinnati maybe it was Cincinnati. yeah it was it was, it was they beat they beat the Bengals 41 17 i mean they beat, um, that was kind of heroes and uh, mostert's coming out party right and then in 2020 that. they went to new york they played the jets brutal they, game injury wise yeah. but they played really well and then in 2021, obviously, it was the Eagles. Philly. And then, yeah, this year it'll be the Rams at Levi Stadium, but which probably is the best team out of all those teams that we just mentioned. So For we'll sure. see if the if the trend holds up. But it's been pretty consistent that he just he's off to slow starts. Yeah, I think if you're looking at it from an optimistic standpoint, this year surrounding him, like at least from a skill position-wise, uh, defensively as well, they're probably – as best suited to bounce back from this. But again, like the injuries up front, they're, they're going to make a big difference. Are you confident that he's going to bounce back? Do you believe in the numbers that he's going to bounce back? And obviously, I'm not just talking about the Rams game because the 49ers, they still have a bunch of good players. Uh, this schedule is still like, it's not a first place schedule. There are plenty of winnable games. There are plenty of other teams that are banged up too. So it's not like the 49ers are going to be facing um, a juggernaut of a, of a lineup coming up here. I think they do. And another stat, 
and I was surprised actually. I went, I had to go through all the game logs. Guess what the 49ers record is after a loss uh, with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo? I imagine it is very good. It's it does, it just Okay, yeah, it doesn't seem like they lose back-to-back very often under these two. No. When Jimmy Garoppolo starts and plays a full game, and obviously Kyle Shanahan's the head coach, they're 9-1 following a loss. So they've only had one, you know, back-to-back loss. And I had to go through because some of those games, like last year, for instance, they lost against Green Bay, but Seattle he started, didn't finish the game. So I didn't count that. But still, you're winning 90% of your games after a loss. So I just think they have a good tendency to back, back, bounce back. I think the head coach is good at setting the tone for the following week and coming in with a good game plan. I think they play the best when their backs are against the walls, and now they go up against a Rams team. Similar situation to last year, right? I think they were, what, 2-4, and 2-5, and five, something like that. They played the Rams Monday Night Football at home, Levi Stadium, season on the line, put together a hell of a game, and kind of in a similar spot, it feels like. Like, if you fall to 1-3, and three, I know they got a couple of gimme games coming up, but I think I think they bounce back, but it's, it's now we're – you know, it's do or die time, it feels like. Yeah, it seems like this is a this is the type of game to get you hyper-focused. Um, everybody knows the history of the 49ers, the recent history of the 49ers and the Rams in the regular season, at least. And that has been pretty one-sided in favor of the 49ers. We will see if that does keep up. All right, before we do get there, so Shanahan, after the game, I asked him, you know, because he said on Sunday, it felt like everybody could have done better offensively, including himself. And I want to know, just as a play caller, like what stuck with you? What were you thinking that, you know, maybe could have been better on your side as a play caller after rewatching the film? And he just like rattled off a bunch of plays. And essentially he listed one play per drive in the second half. And I want to walk through those. And I'm going to write about those. You are, by the time you're listening to this, you're going to be able to read about those on NinersNation.com. So, the first one that he talked about was just out of the gate, first series, they fumble the snap. And that was the Jake Brindle snap. The next play that he talked about, so in the second series, it was the safety. And for those that haven't had a chance to rewatch the safety, that was pretty brutal. That was the one where, you know, the whole Dan Orvlowski, he relieved Dan Orvlowski from that. So, which I don't really think. Because Dan Orlovsky, like, ran down the end zone right, on the right, white, right. where Jimmy just took a couple steps. So I don't think those plays compare each other. I don't know what you think, but. I mean, I don't think so either. I, it, it was tough to watch. Bad. There's no doubt about it. I think there are plenty of people at fault here. So some people said it was a bad play call. I don't really think it was a bad play call. It was, there's no doubt it comes with risk. Yeah, like it was. It was poor execution on one hand, but I think you also just have to give Denver a lot of credit. They played really well as the game went on defensively. So you have the 49ers running their patented play. Like Kyle Shannon calls a play called leak. And what he's trying to do is, so he's trying to, he's running a play action. He's trying to suck the defense up. What he's trying to do is get the ball to one of his best players, George Kittle. He's trying to leak George Kittle from one side of the field to the other. Kittle stumbles out of the box. So from the jump, the timing of the play is already messed up. Then Denver doesn't bite. So like they're not chasing the route. From there, you're in a condensed situation because you're backed up in your own end zone. So Jimmy has nowhere to go. He's looking for his outlet, his check down. That is covered by a defensive lineman who peels off with the running back. He throws the ball to that running back. He's throwing 
off his back foot, you know, kind of spinning, doesn't really know if there's a defender there. Sure enough, a defender catches the ball and would have been a pick six. It was actually a really athletic play by the defender. Um, Okay, yeah, that's right. It was Bradley Chubb. So that doesn't matter because he stepped out of bounds. It's a safety. Uh, Jokes ensue. But, yeah, I don't know if there's just one person to blame on this. It was a risky play call. I really didn't mind it. It looks a lot worse because they did not execute the play. But we've seen the 49ers. This was the same play, for those of you who aren't familiar with what leak is, this is the same play in week one where Trey Lance overshot Tyler Croft in the first quarter. So every time they run this, it feels like there is somebody. Someone's open. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. This feels like the first time where a defense reacted to the tight end coming across. And it just felt like they just kind of read the play. And the Broncos defensive coordinator, Jiro Everett, comes from the Rams. So he's facing a Sean McVay offense, a Kyle Shanahan offense. He, he's probably seen that play in practice a bunch. He's seen it in games. So he had his defense well-prepared. So I always hate blaming a singular individual, right? Like blaming Jimmy Garoppolo for stepping out or blaming Kyle Shanahan for calling that play. Cause you know, I think they had ran on the previous play and didn't get anywhere. And so would you have rather them just try to run again? You know, it's like the play caller gets criticized when something doesn't work. And in that moment, you're thinking, okay, let me just try something different here. Let me, let me jab. Right. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think you have the right idea, which is let's just give credit to the Broncos defense for diagnosing that play for, you know, not biting on the play action uh, or not biting on the run fake being there, Bradley Chubb picking that ball off. I just, I just thought they just had, you know, their number on that play. Right. They took away every option for Jimmy Garoppolo in that sense. And, Again, like it's okay to give the other team credit. So that the um, that was the third play. And after the safety, so on the third series, Shanahan said they're on second and 10. Uh, we just had a real bad sack that got us to third and 18. So that was the play where this is Jalen Moore's first series. He's coming in off the bench. He's coming in cold. I imagine he was playing scout team all week. I imagine he was not taking reps, assuming that he would be in the game, by the way. Probably not a great idea that he went in first over Colt McKivitz after McKivitz was supposedly going to be the swing tackle to start the season. Again, that was when Moore hadn't really practiced up to that point. But anyway, Jalen Moore oversets badly, allows Randy Gregory, I believe it was, to sack Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy really didn't have a chance. Again, that play call, they're trying to, they're going to run a, a play action fake off one of their patented runs where somebody pulls. Uh, Kyle Ushek comes in across, kicks out the defensive end. Uh, PFF Seth Galina actually tweeted about this play on Tuesday, if you want to check his timeline. And it just happened to be a play-action play, and they're going to run a backside slant off that. The Broncos, again, take away the play. They should get credit for taking away this play. Again, I think that was a great point you mentioned. The defensive coordinator coming from a Rams background, he's probably seen all these plays that they're running. So not only do you get the sack, you also get the Broncos just taking away the read for Jimmy G. Uh, they take a sack. Uh, again, not really much Jimmy G could do since the play was already stuffed. So th- next play, after a really nice return from Ray McLeod on the fourth series. So it's second and 10. And I believe they have the another pass, uh, pass pro breakdown where this time Spencer Burford, he has a pass pro hiccup. So he goes to the linebacker instead of going to a defensive lineman. So in pass protection, uh, you have 
it was Kyle check as the, the blocking running back, and he was going to pick up the blitzer. More than likely, in most cases, you want your big on their big and your little on their little. So in this case, running back, linebacker, those are the littles. The offensive lineman and the defensive lineman, those are the bigs. Burford goes to the linebacker. Kyle Juszczyk goes to the linebacker. Free defensive lineman. He gets a free runner on Jimmy G. This is a play where they bluff a screen, throwing to Juwan Jennings. I thought Jimmy does an incredible job here of just getting the ball away, getting it up to Juwan Jennings. He has a chance. Jennings does not get his feet down, has a really good opportunity to do so. I don't know if it's just like a spatial awareness issue, but that's on Jennings. He has to catch that ball. He does not. Sure enough, 49ers aren't able to get any yardage or points out of that. And then the final one, as everybody remembers, where he just misses Debo out of the backfield. Kyle Shannon said if they get that ball to Debo, he takes that to the house. So they have Debo one-on-one against uh, old friend alert, K1 Williams. And on the choice. Yeah, choice you'll, take, you'll take Debo in that scenario all the time. Again, there was another pass protection hiccup. And that's how we got to the 49ers not scoring in the second half, I believe. So I imagine that was really frustrating uh, for the 49ers to watch back. It was frustrating for all of us to watch live. But those five plays, um, you just in the second half, are mistakes over and over and over and over. So five crucial mistakes in the second half. And that's why uh, they were not able to put up any points. Let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. So people are down his throat. Some want him fired. Obviously, that is extreme. That just comes with, you know, living on social media. Uh, where do you think he went wrong? Uh, what do you think his biggest issues were? And is the heat that he's taking justified? I think some of the heat is justified, you know. And you and I are big fans of, of Kyle Shanahan. Hell, we've named the podcast The Shanna Plan in part because of the head coach. And we've been watching this offense now for four or five years. We think highly of it. You know, it's spawned off in the NFL, right? The Sean McVay's, the Matt LaFleur's, the Mike LaFleur's, the Mike McDaniel's. It feels like almost half the teams in the league have a version of this. And it all starts with Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan. And we think highly of that offense. And, you know, this season in two of the three games, it only scored 10 points. And ultimately that starts with the head coach and the play caller, right? For most teams, you think of the face of the franchise, you think, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. With the 49ers, you think of Kyle Shanahan. He is the poster boy. And so with that comes the credit, and rightfully so, when they lose and don't play well, it comes with the blame. And I think some of the heat is justified, right? I think I think in week one, he deserves some of the blame because they came out looking good in those first two quarters, but they didn't put together a full four quarters of, of football. If they had, they probably would be two and one right now. And I thought they looked much better against the Seahawks. They bounced back like we talked about. And then in week three, you know, his offensive game plan for whatever reason and offensive execution just wasn't there, right? Credit to the Broncos, credit to Ejiro Evero, credit to those players. But it's not often you see Kyle Shanahan basically get his lunch money taken <laughs> um, coaching offense. You usually see it, you know, the other way around. And it's unfortunate, right? Uh, because a play caller is always going to get criticized, um, even when the execution isn't right or whatever the case is. But I think some of that heat is justified. And we talked about this before we hit record. I think more than the play calling or the game management, all that stuff, it, the stuff that I think he deserves heat for is his like fourth down decision making, his like 
punt versus kick field goal versus go for it decision making. You know, he's consistently on the conservative side, which is the opposite of what you would think of of Kyle Shanahan because you, you think young dude wearing Yeezys on the sideline, always swaggy, like he's going to have this aggressive mindset, yet it's like the polar opposite. And it's almost worse now when he has a good defense because he's like, let me just punt it. Let me just turn it back to this defense. They're so good. Let me just hold on for dear life. And sometimes it's like, man, Kyle, like you need a yard here. You need two yards here. You should be like the biggest, baddest play caller in this game. Like come up with something, get this fourth down. Like just give me something here. Anything. Anything, right? Like you're an aggressive offensive coach. Like just give me something. And, you know, that game, especially when your offense is lifeless, like just pull something out of your ass, right? Just give me something to like – give the team life. And that's where I think coaches like Pete Carroll, I feel like always come up with some sort of like play or something like out of the box to like give their team life. And I felt like Kyle Shanahan was just missing that on Sunday night and ultimately deserves some blame for that. Deserves some blame for his fourth down decision-making. I know we talked about this, but Ben Baldwin, you know, he does analytics and has his website and, always charts out like should teams go for it on these fourth down situations or punt. And he has Kyle Shanahan basically dead last in win probability added by kicking for it or kicking on situations. He should be going for it. So that's rough. And it's funny because all the Shanahan guys are kind of towards the bottom. So they all kind of think the same way, but it just feels like he, that's an area of the game where maybe they need to hire a Jerry Rosberg type guy, just someone to help. Cause I feel like that's just something that's holding them back right now outside of his play calling and offense and run schemes and all that stuff. Yeah, you mentioned their defense. So people are in the mindset that when you have a good defense, you punt it away. I am in the belief that when you have a good defense, you rely on them. And you know, like they just went three and out pretty much every time it felt like. When, so the 49ers, they're fourth in EPA per play. They are first in defensive success rate. They are third in DVOA, which actually even adjusts for the schedule that you play. Um, if you just go down the metrically in defense, they are first in three and out percentage down the line. They are essentially tops in everything, whether it's you know yards per play, uh, yards per allowed, drives, uh, drives, points per drive, whatever. The, the yards per play stat is insane. I saw Kyle Madsen mention this. Their yards per play allowed is better right now than the 01 Ravens and the 85 Bears. Like 3.9 yards per play allowed is like insanely good. Yeah, usually teams are averaging uh, somewhere between four, four and five, four and a half, and five yards. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just that just puts you in the context how dominant they were out of the gate. It never really felt like the 49ers were going to lose because their defense and D'Amico Ryan's just had. Um, Nate Hackett, Russell Wilson in a straitjacket offensively. Still, that, they weren't. They didn't take advantage of that. And I think that is a big, uh, easily why you should be frustrated. So, yeah, I, I do agree that his game management is lacking, and it, it has been for a long time. And I think that's this is just who he is. Uh, he did go for it on fourth and eight, you know, a game ago, and we were thinking maybe he is turning a corner. But uh, Shannon went on to kick two twenty-yard field goals, and uh, that. That aggression really didn't change um, this past week. So uh, let's talk about that defense, though. So you, you mentioned um, the yards per play that they've allowed. I think 
they are going to be – I mean, they were going to be the reason that the 49ers were going to win games this year no matter what. I know that, you know, the focus and the talk all offseason was about the quarterback. Uh, this defensive line, they're incredible. The linebacker is very, very good. We're seeing the secondary. So, are they going to be able to hold down the Rams? Because, again, if they are going to beat the Rams just as they beat them last week or last year, earlier, early on, I, I think, again, people are forgetting that the reason that the 49ers beat the Rams last year was because they, they gave up next to nothing. Um, I think they had two turnovers in the first Jimmy half. Jimmy Ward, Jimmy Ward yeah. interceptions. That's yeah. right. Um, so getting off to fast starts, that's going to be a big deal. And what, like, what, do, what do you think we're going to see from the defense the rest of the season? Will they be able to keep up this historic pace? I think so. I think as long as they stay healthy, right? And that starts with, can they keep Charverius Ward, Mooney Ward, who had a hell of a play? Right. Like last year, that's a touchdown. This or year, DPI. it's or a DPI or a DPI, right? It ends up as a big play. And this year, Mooney Ward's tipping that ball, right? And obviously, linebacker plays outstanding. Talano Hufanga looks like a star. D'Amico Rhines deserves a ton of credit for the way they're using Hufanga, right? I think players look better depending on what scheme they're in. And it feels like they're just using Hufanga uh, perfectly to a T no pun intended. And then the defensive line, man, I, I went back and look at, looked at adjusted sack rate, which football outsiders puts together. Basically they, you know, uh, look at pressures and sacks and they weight them based on opponents and your schedule. And from 2019 to 2022, uh, their adjusted sack rate in 2019 was 9%, which was their best in 2022. They're at 10.2% right now. There's only a handful of teams in the last four years that have been over adjusted sack rate of 10% which is insane. I mean, they put up, I think, 24 pressures on Sunday. And we've talked about this before when we preview the Rams. What's the key to Matt, key to beating Matt Stafford is getting pressure without blitzing. He eviscerates the blitz. But if you can get home with rushing four and, like, timing your blitzes, that's how you beat Matt Stafford. And the 49ers are well-equipped to do that, right? I think how they defend Cooper Cup is probably the biggest challenge because he's, you know, given them a ton of problems in the past. Like, does Mooney Ward follow him? I know they've used Jimmy Ward on him in the past. He's he's not going to play this game. But I think defensively it starts up front. This defensive line, I think against that Rams offensive line, is a complete mismatch. I would say the same the other way. I think the Rams defensive line is going to have some success against the Niners, especially without Trent Williams. No doubt. But I think if they can get to Matt Stafford, he's been throwing a bunch of picks. I think he had two again on Sunday, right? I think he's got four or five on the season. I think they're going to turn him over a couple times this game. I think they're going to get after him. And I think ultimately with the Niners, just they know this Rams offense very, very well. I think D'Amico Ryans is very familiar with it. I just think they are always up to the challenge. They Even the NFC title game for about three and a half quarters there, they had that offense bottled up. And so I think defensively they're going to have a ton of success. You mentioned Matt Stafford and just struggling under pressure. This year he's been, he's been pressured a ton. He's been pressured on – 28% of his dropbacks, according to PFF. He has a turnover-worthy throw percentage. It's pretty low at 31, but his numbers just fall across the board. So if they can get after him, if they can be, if they can consistently get after him under pressure, uh, he will probably make mistakes. And they are banged up. I know that the Rams are, you know, obviously the Rams are the Rams, but I don't think they are the same version of the Rams as last year. And I think the 49ers do match up with them well. But as you mentioned, uh, this is the first time that, 
you know, whether it's Spencer Burford, whether it's Aaron Banks, whether it's Jake Brindle, those three have seen Aaron Donald. And that is somewhat terrifying to think about. So uh, before we before we got on here, you, you talked about how this would be the biggest challenge for Kyle Shanahan. And that'll be moving forward, not just one game, but for the rest of the season. Well, why do you think that is the case? Is it just a case of the injuries? Because we mentioned the schedule. They do have some winnable games and the Rams are down. You know, the rest of the division is down. So despite being one and two, it does feel like the 49ers, you know, they aren't out of it. As as tough as that might be, you know, for a lot of fans to to think about moving forward, just coming off of um, a brutal loss. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's week three. They were two and four at one point last year and still managed to make the playoffs, win two playoff games. And again, you don't want that to be the recipe. You don't want that to be the blueprint, right? That you'd want that to be an outlier season and you want to just perform better out the gates. But here we are and they're sitting at one and two. I just think it's his biggest challenge because of everything that's happened up until this point. Look at his coaching staff. He lost Mike McDaniel, who's been his right-hand man for 10 years. Like, imagine just working with somebody for 10 years in any walk of life, no matter what you do, and all of a sudden they're just not there. They've just up and quit or they've switched jobs or whatever. That's really hard because now you have a working relationship with this person. You trust that person. You trust, you know, Mike McDaniel handled the run game Monday through Thursday, and Kyle Shanahan just trusted him over the years. He knew you know, the new wrinkles he added, whatever schemes he implemented, he would trust that they would work on Sundays because they had so much experience working together. And now you have Anthony Lynn in there. You have Chris Forrester, who's the run game coordinator officially, right? You have Bobby Slowick, Clay Kubiak. You just have a bunch of new guys who haven't been in those roles working with Kyle Shanahan. All of a sudden you're one and two. You had worked all off season to try to develop an offense around Trey Lance, right? And using his legs. And now, a game and a half in you're back to Jimmy Garoppolo and we don't really know what, you know, the relationship between those two guys is right. Garoppolo and Shanahan, I'm sure business relationship, I'm sure they're fine, but you know, I'm sure there's some, there's gotta be some animosity there, right. Just given what the situation was and that's just me guessing. So now Kyle Shanahan's trying to manage that side of stuff on top of the fact that, you know, he's getting all this outside pressure about, you know, the defense is really good, yet they're still struggling. And so I feel like that's just, that's a lot. I mean, last year they were two and four, but they stuck with the plan, right? They they were always going to ride it out with Jimmy Garoppolo. They had the team that bought in. He had his, you know, he had Mike McDaniel. He had these guys around him that he had been with previously. So it felt like, you know, they would just ride it out. And this year it's like, the situation's not the same. And I feel like it's Kyle Shanahan's biggest challenge yet. And it's the biggest test to see, you know, can he just withstand this? Because with this type of a roster, with this type of defense, and the weapons you have on offense, you just you got to make the playoffs. You got to be better than what they've been these past three games. And I think they'll figure it out. But I think the challenge is bigger than what we just think on the outside. Yeah, I wonder what the point of hiring. And this sounds so harsh, but like I at the time I, I was struggling to see like where. Uh, Brian Greasy's value came in 100%. as a quarterback coach. So he's a guy who's been in the media for the last six or so years, I believe, maybe even longer than that. You bring him in probably for your young quarterback. Now you you go a year and you don't have a young quarterback, you have a veteran quarterback. So how is he going to make Jimmy Garoppolo better? What is he bringing to the table? We've seen what Mike McDaniel brings to the table. We've seen his impact with the Miami Dolphins 
very early. So he's aggressive. Uh, he thinks outside the box. He puts the, the Miami in a great position, just as he put San Francisco in a great position. I'm waiting to see that tangible impact from Brian Greasy. And maybe that's not fair just because we don't know uh, what's going on behind Absolutely. closed doors. But it's not showing up yet because the quarterbacks are have not improved. They are still making the same mistakes. And as Kyle Shanahan said on Monday during a conference call, it comes back to coaching when players are making mistakes in his head. So um, there are a lot that's of fingers. Go ahead. I was going to say that's the Belichick mentality, right? You're either you're coaching, coaching it or you're allowing, it. allowing it to happen. Yeah. Whew. So um, one week there will be a lot of overreactions naturally and rightfully so, to be fair. But at the same time, it is one week. And I think you had a good point where, you know, the last thing you want to do is get down early and have to rely on having to fight back week after week. Ideally, you get off to a hot start. That way, every game doesn't feel like a must win. There isn't more pressure on you to perform. And obviously, pressure bust pipes. And you you want to just get out in front. That way, you can kind of control what you can control and not have to scoreboard watch it, rely on other teams to make the playoffs as well. So uh, that'll do it for us. We will be back next week, hopefully after another victory over the Rams. Do you think they're going to take care of it against the Rams? Let's do some score predictions before we get out of here. What do you think? I actually think they do. I mean, we both felt pretty confident going to that Denver game, mostly because of what Denver uh, Denver's offense has been, and it's just been anemic, and it was on Sunday night. I mean, they only put up nine points, right, and had that one touchdown drive. I think the Niners forced like seven three-and-outs. I just think their defense is going to have as much success against the Rams, maybe not, you know, uh, holding them to one touchdown drive, but I think they're going to play lights out. I think they're going to turn Matt Stafford over. I think they're going to get – a ton of pressure on him. I think that defensive line is as good as it's been since Kyle Shanahan's gotten here. And I think ultimately that's going to be the tipping point. I think offensively, they're not going to be as bad as they were two weeks in a row. I just, I can't believe it. I thought Kyle Shanahan going back home to Denver was going to put on a show. Yeah. Didn't happen, but this one's big. I mean, you're on Monday night football again, right? You're back-to-back primetime weeks. You can't lay an egg offensively. You just can't. You're too good of an offensive coach. You have too much talent on that side of the ball. And you just got to figure it out. And you have the X-rated prepared divisional opponent. I know the 49er individual players dislike the Rams, right? You listen to Fred Warren in the offseason. These guys just, they don't like the Rams. And I think backs against the wall, they come out swinging at home Monday night. I think they win. They're two-point favorites. I think they cover. And I think they get back on track. Just going by the numbers, um, 49ers have a much better defense than the Rams do. The Rams are about middle of the pack in most metrics offensively and then, or sorry, defensively. And then on the offensive side of the ball, the Rams are a tick better than the 49ers. And obviously the 49ers have struggled on that side of the ball through three weeks, but uh, the Rams haven't been these juggernauts that many expected. So I, I think it will be a lower scoring game than most expect. And it, I mean, you know, Kyle Shannon's going to have the perfect game plan just because that that's always been the case will they be able to run the ball with Debo? That was not uh, the case on Sunday night. It just seems like every time that Debo plays, he has a big play. And that was one of the first games that it feels like in a long, long time where Debo didn't break one. But it's tough to hold him down. I would imagine they get Jordan Mason more involved. Uh, he, he looked, you know, good on that one carry for seven yards. Jeff Wilson was able to run the ball. And for whatever reason, they did not go to Jeff Wilson enough, I, in my opinion, 
in the second half. And that's where you just kind of read the game flow and get back to the game management for Kyle Shanahan. And it seems like when they have something going, he usually does very well going back to that. He spams it. Yep. That just didn't happen. And I don't know if, you know, that was just because of uh, he was overacting to some of the turnovers. It, we mentioned it in that, in that little five-play breakdown where they just had so many breakdowns uh, in pass pro that they, they weren't able to uh, play ahead of the chains. And I don't think – I don't envision that's going to be an issue uh, against the Rams. One for so, 10 on third down? Right? Yeah, like that's – those things are not sustainable for the 49ers. Like, yes, they've had some putrid offensive performances, but not to that effect. So, I'm going to – I believe that they win as well. I think the 49ers are going to win somewhere along the lines of like a 20 to 17 type. It's going to be – exactly what I thought real nasty, real uh, lower scoring. And maybe that's just how they win ball games this year. And again, if the 49ers are in the playoffs because they're winning 20 to 17, that is okay. Translates. Yep. Yep. That is okay. That is going to be winnable. Uh, they're going to be able to generate some explosive plays. These next, this next month and a half or so, like it will be tough without Trent Williams. There's no doubt about it. So if they can just kind of weather the storm, until he's able to get back. It's a lot on Colton McGibbon's plate. It's even more on the interior line's plate, knowing that, you know, they have, they are very inexperienced. So even more pressure on Jimmy G to get rid of the ball and the play caller to put everybody in position, not to mention uh, the, one of the best defenses in the NFL to keep a zero on the scoreboard. But I imagine they're all inviting that pressure. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Somebody left us a review. Uh, his name's Kevin Dennis. He actually DM'd me about breaking down Kyle Shanahan's offense and just why they, there have been struggles. So maybe we look into that next week. So keep leaving us reviews with ideas of what you would like to hear. We will read those on here. Uh, follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? At Twitter, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Appreciate everyone and go Niners.